Hello and welcome to the A-Form show. My name is Alan George and thank you very much for tuning in. Each week we sit across from thought leaders and change makers in the architecture and design space of the GCC. We dive deep into their experiences both professionally and personally and share their valuable insight as to what makes them tick. Our goal is to add value to your day and help you navigate your own personal creative journey. Finally, the opinions and the views of the guest speakers are that of their own. They do not necessarily represent the views and the opinions of the show or the host. Welcome to the A-Form show. On this week's episode, we are joined by Raha Milani and Mariam Karji, co-founders of Archisense Studio, an interdisciplinary design firm based right here in Dubai. Since establishing their practice in 2018, this dynamic duo have gone on to developing a portfolio of work in contemporary architecture, interior design, and landscaping. With a focus on residential and commercial projects, their work seamlessly integrates cultural and local relevance with modern design elements. We are very excited to have them on the show with us. So without further ado, let's get into it. Good morning, Raha and Mariam. How are we today? Good morning. Good morning. Hi. How are you? How's everything? (laughs) Everything is good. Everything is good. So obviously, before we started off, uh, one of the conversations we had was about your studio and the location of your studio. So I want to give our listeners who maybe have not heard of Artisan Studio a bit more context. So maybe Raha, if you can start, maybe give us a little more history as to what Artisan is, how it was founded, what are you guys doing? right now kind of bring our listeners up to speed sure first i want to appreciate like your interest and your invitation for listening to our stories and getting to know more about artisans i just want to like mention that that, like in these three years we've been quite invisible in any sort of virtual platform social media and etc so hopefully this podcast will somehow bring another dimension of artisans to be explored and presented and we'll be fun? I hope so. So Archisense Studio, we are located just to give you a context that we are locating in a rooftop basically of a residential building that has quite a good decent size of space as a studio, like to have a good environment as a team to work on different projects where there is going to be more like physicality aspect of it to do any sort of massing study, etc. Or it's something that more is individual work people being on their laptops and at the same time having clients and sometimes having different subconsultants in our office to discuss the projects. So we are mainly now working on residential project, private villas and I think the way with it started getting project was more like word of mouth like from one project to go to another project and etc. And it's just expanding from just one friend that you know like she knows and then it just somehow extends out. And maybe it would be more interesting if I give a little bit brief about myself. I'm originally Iranian and I've been studying and working in UAE for the past 11 years since 2010. I started studying interior architecture back in Iran and then I moved here, studied architecture in American University of Sharjah. And then right after my graduation, I started like, of course, like working and 
my work experience literally started from that point. But those years of working, I would say it was one of those, you know, how do you call it, like transitional stages of my life that I started to question my personal values towards my life and my work and my future career. So working on uh, mainly in private villas at the Naga Architects and being able to engage with different stages from concept to construction stage, working with different designers, you know, like witnessing their set of minds, like visions and perspectives. They all somehow gave me the courage and confidence to follow my very original and instinctive desire and my plan, which was to have my own independent design team and practice. And maybe like this is because I've been very independent person since I was very young. And maybe that is something that subconsciously just directed me to a place that I am now. So I I love learning. I I enjoy failing as much as I do like succeeding. I think that's that's something which maybe our listeners need to hear again, that you need to love failing more than you love successes. Because I think that ironically makes you more successful, doesn't it? If you tend to love failures and you fail more, you tend to in the long run succeed more. And confident and and thankful about the outcome of that failure. Absolutely. Succeed. And I would say another reason that kind of pushed me to do this shift of employee to go to a more like entrepreneur direction was when I was working back to that time, I started realizing that I'm more interested in maybe becoming architect than doing architecture because I found that being architect is more and it requires more set of comprehensive skills and ideologies. Like to me, it's more like movie versus director. A good movie, it's not only based on having a good technicality or script or cast. Right. It's more about, you know, the director who is the main figure that is trying to put all these disciplines and sectors together yeah. in order to serve and respect his own perception. and reasons and just the film is a medium for them to deliver that and for me like you know being an architect is somehow it's kind of a narrator person like character or maybe reinterpreter that we try to learn things imagine things understand and reflect that we interpret that and does this happens in very early stage when you talk to a client you listen to them and that narrative starts from there and then you carry on and you like translate it to a life project right so and then maybe mariam i can uh, ask her to move on sure sure this is mariam kerji an interior architect wife and mother i graduated as well from american university of Sharjah in 2017 with a bachelor degree in interior design i always had this dream while i was uh, studying uh, of establishing a firm at a very early stage it led me to be more curious about like how the whole system works how i can get projects how i can get like uh, more clients and so on. I always used to go to sites that were under construction, ask the engineer and get the information who is doing this, who is the contractor and uh, the suppliers. 
and so on. And uh, right after my graduation, with support of uh, my family and uh, husband, I started as a freelancer. It was like about a year almost that I entered the market. And uh, when I got more confidence, it was the time where I said, okay, I need to grow more. I need to find the right team. And it was there, like the first person who came to my mind was Raha Milan. I just picked the phone up and I called her. I said, hey, Raha, I have projects and I need your help. Just come and join. And by that time, she was in Iran, right? Yeah, I moved out. Yes. Uh, so I, I called her. I said, let's uh, have a meeting, come yeah. back. And she came. It was like the right move at the right moment. We found it out that we have very similar visions and interests in our future career and the way we are imagining our practice to be. So, and this is when Arkisense was born and we have been working together on different projects for about more than three years, right? Yes. Yes. So this was like the story of Arkisense and how uh, we established the I'm really started like with a few people and it changes, you know, like depending on the number of projects, you know, the scope of work. So this the number of group, it wasn't something very fixed structure and it's changing still. Okay. So. All right. Um, for anyone who's seen your work, and I'm a big fan, I must say, it's very clear that you, as a practice, have a very clear stance on contemporary design, which I think is all the rave now. I think it's kind of finally coming into style again. Good contemporary design, not, I mean, it can go wrong very easily, but to do it correctly is being valued by clients. So I maybe want to touch upon the design stance of your studio get a client, what's your kind of workflow like? Do you start off with, you know, kind of initial meeting? How would a client kind of interact with you as an office as during the entire life cycle? So I would say that when we sit with a client in a very first meeting, we just, again, back to that narrative that needs to be started. We just try to first listen to their ideas, the way they're imagining and try to dig into more to understand the personal values when it comes to living, like inhabiting its space or the lifestyle. Most of families families, you know, they come from a different status. They live maybe with the parents, you know, in a different kind of environment. And now they want to do their own private villas with set of, you know, requirements and desires. So we try to understand them, listen to them and try to see if it's something that would be easy for us to move forward and develop that dream in terms of values. Again, for us, their values is something that would make us to do this evaluation. And this happens also through the question survey one-to-one. We, based on the experience we had working on different projects, working with different families, we somehow set out our very specific questions list. And we try to ask them these questions to understand if they are also clear about how they're imagining, how they want the project to be, or they are a bit lost or they don't know how much they want. So for us, this clarity is very important in the very initial stage. And of course, when it comes to a contemporary project, I don't know myself what is contemporary project is. It's something that I think it's not something very constituted when it comes to typology. And it changes, it changes and it keeps changing. Like now we are again going back to some other, you know, previous styles of architecture. Now, you know, the reflection 
80% of them is coming back. So the design process would be our kickoff meeting with client to have their brief. And if we see that we are on the right track in terms of their demands, their needs, their requirements and the budget, of course, because sometimes clients... They come with so many requirements, but they don't have enough budget with that would fit in right. the image they are looking for. So, and then we move on to concept stage that is more focusing on planning and requirement. It's more dependent on requirements. So we try to make sure that we can find proper and concrete outline of a project that would suit architecture and interior at the same time. And then we move to design development and try to add more layers and complexity to the project. Right. But most of the time, the project we receive, they include the scope of interior as well. So, so, so you sort of develop both of them at the same time as you go forward. Yes. It's, it's, it's not that you finish the architecture, then do the interior. I think we believe that architecture and interior design is something that is very inseparable and right. somehow in sort of like, you know, democratic in a way that one cannot dictate the other or disregard. They need to complement and inspire each other. True. Sometimes, for example, we work in a project that the architecture is the core of the project that would inspire the interior to be shaped and characterized. For example, if it's a specific type of massing that we want to achieve and that would influence the interior or there is a specific sort of structure that again would influence the interior. Or on the other hand, maybe there is a specific interior space, an image that the client comes to us and that would be the driven point for us to start the architecture. Right. So there is this, for us, the workflow, I would say it's very parallel and there is this constant back and forth between architecture and interior from concept to the construction stage. And like in just throughout the stages, we try just to give more complexity and layer. Right. From a little more bigger macro version of things. So Sense as a studio is a, is a fairly young studio and most designers always aspire to and always want to work towards having their own studio. But obviously, you know, that's not the most easiest thing to do that I'm sure there's a lot of challenges that the both of you have faced while not just setting up, but even running the studio. So maybe for our audience, if you can go through a few of those challenges and how you guys overcame that. I realized that nothing is impossible. You just need to maybe simplify things. If it's something that you don't have a fully experience on it, I think you can still do it. You just need to simplify things things and maybe breaking down to different group of people and not to expect to do everything on your own name. So having said that, like, you know, collaborating with different design people, like like different design consultants when it comes to engineering or even the design itself, the design sector itself to breaking down to different people, I think you can still run that. And if you are just sure that you're working with good people and right people and you have that trust and expectation, I think it's easy to achieve 
still a coherent project together. Right. So for us, it was something similar that we started to ask people to help us in this journey and try to add value to it and try to learn from each other, basically. And of course, this doesn't mean that if you're working with a good MEP team or engineering, you have nothing to do. No, again, there is so much loads of work yeah. for you in terms of, again, coordination, making sure that everything is going to what you're expecting. Absolutely. And apart from that, I think another thing that is important is to have your right team and studio, people that you are daily working with. And I think you know this better that when it comes to this such studio and work environment, there is no hierarchy really in positions or the scope of work or who's doing what. It's like you take a project, you try to make it like, you know, fade in that project and try to do as much as possible you can you do your best because the work of individual would be very important and vital in that process in succeeding of the project and very dependent at the same time so that's why you need to make sure that you have the people that you can trust on their work, work attitude, on their friendship and the way they would feel responsible, that they would not, you know, leave you halfway right. of the project and because you cannot blame on anyone. It's true, because at the it's end of the day, you are, I mean, like you said earlier, kind of like the director of the movie, you kind yeah. of as the architect are that. Yes. Right. So the difficult job would be to manage that, to manage this team in order to have everything perfectly in this scene to work together. So there is the managing of team and at the same time there is managing the project and on the other hand there is managing the subconsultant, the contractor and the project managing from construction time to delivery even. And adding to what Raha is saying is like understanding the clients. Like we started yes. at a very young age and understanding the clients, knowing what their needs are. This was also like a process and an experience that we gained by time. Mm -hmm. And I think understanding the contractors yes. was another challenge, like how to communicate with those contractors. That by itself needs an experience. Uh, yeah. That's something which firms with, you know, a hundred years of experience, they, yes. still, they still struggle with something yes, like yes, that. Yes, yeah. yes. So it's again back to the team because yes. the contractor is part of your team. You need, right. to, you need to spend time, I think, in this practice and along while you're doing design to study all those things, to know the contractors, to know the good suppliers, to know the good fit out company and try to make that communication with them right. uh, that you can be convincing enough for your client to work yes. with them and sign off the project with them. And um, providing a good service. Yeah. Service is important. How you can let your client trust you. As you know that there are a lot of designers here in the market, young designers, boutiques, that they are all considered as a competitor. True. So I think service is an important factor that I think helped us okay. and that make your work to stand out, to okay. be unique. Okay. Yes. And for, for me, also another thing, because I was also totally from a different background as an Iranian, the way I perceive family house, you know, family villa. So I think, you know, like I'm graduated from AUS, so we have totally different mindset. Right. There's no rationality, basically. But I think you need to make this effort in your practice to really understand the region, the right. culture, the families, and like 
somehow again translate right. your ideas the way you perceive things into something that which fits and for I think everyone. I think that's quite interesting I I never really thought of that because again someone someone like myself I've I've pretty much spent my entire life here so for me it comes a little more easier but I'd be interested to know so how are you when you sort of with a very strong Iranian context that you come with into a market like this what are your kind of insights that you've noticed what do clients kind of want here or they should want here which you think maybe they're not doing I think I understood that maybe there is preconception of the established culture here that we yeah. think that this is this is something that is solid right. and everything needs to be respected to that right. but I think it's not like that and okay. like especially in this region Dubai or UAE they are in a very constant changing time True. Especially nowadays that there is this social media, every like you you basically now people want to live in so many different times in so many different contexts and country, countries at the same time. Right. So I would say the culture is not a very fluid thing. It's a very fluid phenomenon that you cannot really say that this is the style of architecture. This is the typology of architecture that should happen in this region. No, I think what should happen is that try to sort it out things, try to, again, know the challenge or the struggles that families are facing with. Again, back to that transition from family houses to their private villas. And again, back to that reinterpreting of that vision to the new experience of you know, spaces. I think that is the difficult part. Right. And because at the end of the day, culture is not a constituted paradigm and it can change from a family to another family. And of course, especially in Middle East, I would say that people are in this challenge of, you know, reinterpretation of their needs and their uh, values and lifestyles. Like, so it's something that would influence them in even the way they want their house to be. Right. So we as an architect, I think we need to be in charge of just directing that in okay. a way that could be more rational and design oriented. And of course, like you, you would follow your design principles or the way True. you perceive your project. But at the end of the day, it's a family house. It needs to satisfy the family right. and you as a designer. But right. it would be the family culture that would make your project different from the other family. For example, we worked on uh, two villas that they were for two brothers that they came from same parent house. Yeah. But because of their stories and their personal values, it ended up with two different projects. For example, for one, the privacy is uh, different. Like the way uh, he perceives is so different than the other one. The values that they care to be taken into consideration is different. Yeah. So that would be basically the inspiring point, I think, for us to set, to start your design right on. I think that's quite interesting because because we we as a firm have a very similar client to like yours actually, who's basically three villas with you know the parents and two brothers that are developing their villas in these three plots. Mm. And and I think what you said is very interesting because all three villas in a sense have a common language through them, but visually, aesthetically, because of different 
sort of client aspirations, they're very dramatically different from each other. Although, like you said, it's pretty much the same family. They've you know definitely grown up together and all that. But it's it's interesting how you know those projects look nothing alike and mm. kind of like how they're treated, which I think is quite quite interesting. I've never really thought of that before. It's pretty cool. It's good insight. Yes. I think um, it's like okay, like when it comes to design principle, you can manage what you're asking for. Like maybe right. you want this is intentionally you want them to look the same although not right. literally but you can read them similar you can right. read that connection that they are somehow related right but again maybe when you go inside when you try to experience the spaces going through the project you can automatically I think imagine a different uh, life yes. experience there that yes. you can exactly and if you know the family very well you would say exactly that I can imagine this house for this family yes. and I can imagine this house for this family. Right. Because sometimes you go to, you know, some project that you cannot really relate the project to the family right. in, in, that you know. Them. Right, right. You know? True. So True. makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. I kind of, because you as a studio also do interiors along with architecture, I kind of want to know maybe from, from both of you, clients now that are sort of coming to you for projects. In terms of finishes, what are the kind of materiality, you know, that they're looking at? Because, I mean, there's always been a trend of, you know, marble and granite and so on. But is that the same now or is that changing? Are they wanting different things? How is that kind of looking? In our projects, we use like different types of materials. As you know, materiality in bringing a project to life is a really significant component right. in architecture, interior design, as well as landscape. Right. It actually it complements the volumetric form of the building, engage users and give depth and richness to both architecture and interior. Right. And as you know, like nowadays, due to the recent advance in digital fabrication and digital science, we are not limited to specific type of materials. We have wide access to different range of mediums. Right. For example, we really like to work with Petriviva. It's a company in Dubai. They have like, let's say, a, a type of a stone with 10 different type of finishes. It's really interesting to okay. see one stone in 10 different finishes. Wow. So we like working with them and exploring with them, giving them ideas, giving, trying different patterns. And back to our own practice here in Archisense, we always try to let building form speak by utilizing and studying materials, connecting exterior with interior, creating a cohesive space. As you, I think, as you have seen on our Instagram page, like we are really careful of how to use material, what material is in the interior and what is there in exterior, how they are connected to, to use materials that that are calming to eyes and neighbors. Right. And again, you need to take care when you use material that this life, this house is going to be there for a long period of time. It's not just 10 years. It's like 20, 30 years. They are going to stay at that house and live. Absolutely. So it should be pleasing and, and good durable materials. Definitely, yes. definitely. Um, if you want to add. Um, like in a specific to clients, we are lucky that we have uh, such clients that they have good eye right. in design and they're not very demanding in a way that just asking you to use this specific sort of material or a finish. But we, we like to explore different types of material in a different 
projects. So, for example, sometimes we have clients that they are okay with the whiteness of the space and having the white as much as you want. So there's no no for them. And there's another client that maybe in the beginning, he's asking for more natural type of finishes, like more earthy kind of vibe in the project. And then from there, we try to carry on. Right. Right. Okay. Then maybe another aspect that I want to touch upon, which again is common to both architecture, interiors, even landscaping to an extent, is lighting. Mm. Lighting is obviously a very important thing, both natural lighting, natural daylight, and of course, actual, you know, fixture selection and so on. Again, from that point of view, how are you finding clients with their requirements now? Are they kind of pushing for more natural daylight? Are they relying more on, you know, sort of artificial light? Or do they not care? I'm just trying to understand where they are when it comes to lighting. I think now they are getting more interested in getting more natural light, whether it's direct or indirect, like asking for skylights or more glass, like see-through surfaces in the project. But when it comes to artificial light, I think they're not very acknowledged in how flexible artificial light could be. Because back to you know, like very original contemporary project here. You just see just one type of downlight as a spike light, which is full of them in right. one ceiling. Right. Whereas you see the there are so many different types of lighting when it comes to the fixture or the functionality right. or how you can, depending on the shape of it or the way it's installed, you can use it so differently. Absolutely. And it could be definitely a part of interior design yes. element that you can use it and like expand it throughout the whole project. That would be one of the very important elements in interior because the lighting is not only for the matter of function or for the matter of it's the location, it's on the ceiling. When there is a light, when, it's, when there is a specific lighting, it would the projection of that light would emphasize on how you frame a wall of elevation right, or right. the ground and so many other surfaces. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Yeah, or it's like a circulation, like if you're using a very specific type of light or the shape, like a linear light, it would emphasize the idea of the continuity that you want to emphasize on. So I think for us, like lighting is a connected component between yes. architecture and interior. And and like adding to what Raha said, yes, we do use a lot of like daylight, like trying to introduce daylight. And beside that, we always try to have light consultancy on board with us. Okay. Like as John Collin is one of the companies that we like yeah. to deal with and like to study right. the plans and uh, the elevations, how we can enhance the lighting in the project and what type of light fixtures we can use right, that right. is pleasing to eye right. as well. Right. Because it was one of those studies that we started in the beginning to work on that, how we can minimize the number of lights exactly. and ceilings, yes. basically. Yes. And instead of having 10 spotlights. It's 100, have, not 10, 100 yeah, spotlights. Yeah. Exactly. You know, three. Right. And then this would happen when you talk to the specialist. So you understand, depending on the fixture and the specification, you can manage them. Absolutely. Like, you know, you can manage that. But of course, it again depends 
on if your client to be willing about that or not to because then there is the budget yes. as well so here they think that okay the light fixer is something that would come very at the end so you just buy one type of spotlight from Dragon Mart from Dragon Mart or yes. whatever and it's I mean done. we love Dragon Mart <laughs> yes. but still I know yes. I know yeah, yeah. that is what happens unfortunately yes. yeah. and I think it's changing so it's yes. because of I think um, another thing that would help in that transition is home automation I think that it's kind of pushing the things to be on the right you know on the right spot right. <laughs> because in home automation I think there's no point if there's no variety in light in right. intensity in like the hue or uh, right. like the location or anything yeah I think multiple things there. So firstly, yes, lighting selection is very important about your fixtures and so on. But I also think actual lux values also are really important because something as simple as, you know, your standard sort of page travertine would look very different under different levels of lux. Exactly. So even it sort of impacts your finishes, not even, you know, the overall aesthetic per se. And I think, yeah, I think having specialists on board is ideal. I think initially it's always quite difficult to sell it to client. Lighting typically is, you know, lighting and landscape maybe are the first things that get value engineered out of, you know, a residential project. But it's always good to have clients who want that because then you can clearly see, you know, the difference in what is delivered with the scope and what is delivered without the scope. And yeah, unfortunately, Dragon Mart does seem to be the place where most people end up. (laughs) Because you need to evaluate your project when light is on and when light is off. Right. And of course, when light is off, everything would be, I think, more pleasant. Like the errors doesn't show when it comes to lighting a sense of it, it right. on its own. Right. So it would be more like layout kind right. of thing. But yeah, but I think when you switch it on, that should be a success too. Absolutely. So, I mean, clearly the both of you know what you guys are doing when it comes to residential design. For our listeners who are tuning in, if you can maybe distill that down into a top three or top five or how many ever you want, basically, just kind of key points to consider when designing residential buildings or residential private homes and so on. I know we touched upon, you know, understanding your client and getting a good brief. But in addition to that, because as you know, most of our audience are kind of junior to mid-level and maybe they've not worked on a residential project before and maybe they might get one. So for them, what would be the kind of top things for them to consider? I think it comes to design, interior design itself. Like the first thing would be hierarchy. Try to prioritize your main spaces, main functions, main goals, and to know the potentiality of each spaces that you want to give more attention to. And the second thing would be balance, that the balance could be happen when you do that hierarchy, when you try to prioritize and just to make sure that nothing is overpowering like the other. So things need to be designed in a way that they complement each other, not compete or not to disrespect or not suffocate each other. And the way we work in an anterior spaces, we try to really find that balance. The way that's, I think to find that very fine line between something that is overdone and something that is good enough and pleasant is something challenging, that especially in interior design, 
is something that needs to be well studied. Right. And the third one, I would say consistency. So when you start with the initial stages of the design, you need to have this clear idea of how you want to treat the walls or the space, any sort of design discipline, and try to duplicate that treatment throughout the project. And when you see that project, uh, when you're going through each spaces, looking at each walls individually, that would all give you one reading from the whole project. So in order to not to break down the project into so many different pieces that are irrelevant, that could be more like comprehensive in a way that they are very dependent to each other. And if right. you remove something, it would it damage yeah. the rest, you know, right. the, the rest. Because here, especially in residential projects, I think use of material, like, you know, too much, like, uh, would ruin everything. You need so, have a control over it. Control over it, that you can yeah. appreciate every element individually. Right. And adding to what you said, I think architecture should follow, or let's say interior design should follow architecture. architecture. And then another thing like is to consider budget. Budget right. for a residential budget, project is, like, the most is the most thing. important right. element. You know, like if you don't have the budget and you are talking about traveling team, then there is no use. It's a waste of time, a budget would happen if you have a good understanding of materiality and finishes. So you can know how you can replace some stuff or not to think of it. Right. Yeah. Right. And then I think also like involving expert, a designer is really important. And again, if you are like hiring a designer, it's good to trust the designer. Yeah. So like this is my advice, like to clients, like to trust right. their designers. Yeah. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, kind of as like my my final question for this episode, which is something which I am, you know, sort of thinking a lot about off late is, you know, Raha, like you said, the whole designer becoming an entrepreneur. Most designers are good designers, obviously, but not not all designers are good entrepreneurs in the sense that to actually run a practice, you need obviously a completely different, you know, set of skills. And so mm. you need to at least understand, you know, basic accounting and, you know, creating an invoice and getting paid and maintaining cash flow and so on, which are things which most designers maybe have not learned about or don't know about, for example. So kind of addressing a practice, addressing a studio, as a designer, how do you go about learning that? Is it something that just comes from experience or do you actually go out and actively try to learn more about it? How does that happen? I think we are lucky that we are two, not one. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so we can divide work. Right. And we come from a, a background where they were like into like my father, he's an entrepreneur. So it's easy like to go right. back to him and ask him mm. about like uh, right. some technical issues. Right, right, right. And this has helped us again with Raha the same. I think uh, her father as well, like as an entrepreneur has helped us as well. And like his experience. Stages. Yes. But now like the way we work, like mine is taking more like the management part of the practice on more part of like design. Right. So, so there's a managing director and there's a creative director. Yes, yeah, sort of. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in a way, yes, we like if there's something that we need to outsource, we outsource. If there's something that we need.
need to study. For example, I took a course in project management. So like, yeah, you still need to keep up in learning and, 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 and this changes as you move on because you understand what is not working in your practice, what is lacking here or what is that you're doing maybe wrong and you need to improve when it comes to the management, uh, then it's something that I should spend time more on it and fix it. Right. And and I think that is initial because it would help again uh, for you in terms of the profit, the client coordination and the timeline of the project. So many things. Interesting. All right. Well, there you go. I think if anyone sees your work, I think your work shows a lot of potential already. And considering in the grand scheme of things, Arkisense is still a fairly young studio. So I think the future just has a lot more exciting things. And we're really excited to see as a studio what you guys put out next. If any of our listeners want to get in touch with you or if suppliers hear this and they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? They can reach us through our Instagram and website or the contact number. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, on that I'm note... I'm uh, happy to collaborate to everyone. Awesome. Awesome. That's 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 what we want to hear in the design community. That's kind of the entire reason why this podcast is even there. We're all about collaboration. I think the more that we collaborate rather than compete, no, yeah. I think our lives are going to be a lot better. People can influence each other. Absolutely. That's a good thing, I yeah. think. Yeah. You yeah. need to it shouldn't be very linear. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So on that note, Raha, Mariam, thank you so much for coming on the show. And we're definitely going to have you back on again very, very soon. And for the rest of you guys, we will catch you guys next week. Fellow A-formers, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being part of our journey. And thank you for the immense support we've been receiving for our episodes. It has and continues to be a very bumpy road, but we wouldn't want it any other way. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, please share this episode with anyone who may benefit from it. But of course, if you loved the episode, follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn, send us a little DM, and we may just send you a secret link to a secret episode which we've been working on. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. See you next time. Keep sketching.